listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. You're welcome. I gave Matt plenty of time to sit down before I say this. Yeah. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 317 and 318 of Fed by Ravens. We are simply becoming more acquainted with the story that God has written about himself for us as it intersects with the stories we are writing with him. Yeah, Pretty yeah. good stuff. Glad you're with us. You are, we are, we've, I'd say we've rounded the last turn. How many days are we away from completing the Bible this year? I mean, we're almost to Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So, we're uh, so we're like 48 or something like that. Nice. Yeah. So uh, if you've made it this far, keep going. It's worth, I mean, at this point, how could you stop? The story is so good. Here we go. Where are we in the Old Testament? Our Old Testament reading for today is Ezekiel chapter 24 through chapter 27. And we are putting the pot on the fire. Okay, remember when you were a kid and like you're so excited for Christmas? Uh huh. And then Christmas morning, you wake up and you're like, your little kid brain is like, this is the day. This is the day I've been waiting for. Yeah. This is the only day that has mattered, and the only day that matters. I must be the town crier and wake up my parents. We must get this day started. Mm-hmm. This is the day. Imagine that, only kind of opposite. In the negative form. <laughs> it's the opposite of that, which is, this is the day. Like, he tells Ezekiel, he says, this is the day. You've been a a watchman for over four years. Mm -hmm. So for four years, you've been warning, you've been giving parables, you've been giving straight-up speeches, you've been... Don't forget, Ezekiel's the guy who had to act out all these kind of Mm -hmm. metaphors, like going naked and sitting on his side and eating horrible bread, cooked over fecal matter, like all this horrible stuff. And it all leads to this. There is an end. And this is the day. And so the message to... uh, to Ezekiel is, here it is. Now, say this. It's kind of a parable, but like all parables, he explains... Okay, do you remember? He's, this is a callback to something to something yes, that's I already happened. So, okay. This is why we talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is awesome. This is like a, a callback to something that happened really early in the story when he got transported to Jerusalem that's and the right. Lord was showing him everything and he shows him... One scene, he shows them the leaders of Jerusalem, and they're saying, they're comparing themselves to uh, this city is the pot and we're the meat that's safe inside. Oh, snap! And so they were comparing themselves like, we are safe inside our our walled city of Jerusalem. No one can take us. And God was like, oh, you will be the meat, all right, and you will be boiled and spilled out of this pot. And now is the time that the Lord's like, the time has come. The pot is begun to boil. So this is the day. Ezekiel knows the day and the hour mm-hmm. that Babylon um, breaches the wall. Mm-mm. Not breaches the wall. I'm sorry. This starts is the, to destroy the temple. No. No? No. This is the start of the siege. Oh. This is the... The pot starts to, to boil. boil. Yes. This is the day boil. that Babylon okay. just finally sieges Jerusalem. They moved from, they were like at Ribla, like a, for yeah. a while, and now they finally moved on Jerusalem and they have sieged it, and they siege it for two years. Slowly suffocating its resources mm-hmm. until you just implode, basically. But that is the, so 
God gives him the parable of the pot mm-hmm. because they use that to as, as they're like self, we're safe, a self assurance, mm-hmm. and God's using it to say, "Oh no, you guys saw it all wrong." Yes. So that's if you're reading along in chapter 24, that's what that little rebellious say this to the rebellious house of Israel, because uh, Nebuchadnezzar's coming today, mm-hmm. set on the pot, Nebu- set it on. Nebuchadnezzar's coming to town. <laughs> oh, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Nebuchadnezzar's destroying you today. Ooh, yeah, that is. That's awful. Well, it is awful. And in fact, therefore, thus says the Lord God, woe to the bloody city, to the pot whose corrosion is in it. Oh, it's really sad. Yeah, he's like, I tried to clean you guys, but you refused to let me clean you, so now I'm just going to burn the corrosion out of you. If you like complicated stories or movies where it gets complicated about who you're rooting for or against, the Bible invented this because <laughs> it's like there's one hand where you're rooting for the prophet, but then you realize the prophet is way more complicated. He's sad. Mm-hmm. Like we, because we love Israel. Like it's right. the daughters, Judah and Israel are the daughters of God's people. Right. And it's like, we're waiting for them to come out of their adolescence rebellion, mm-hmm. and they didn't make it. Mm-mm. And so while there's justice, and while we're happy that God, we're happy that God's like fulfilling certain things, but we're totally devastated at the same time. Yeah. Which, by the way, is kind of the experience of Christianity. Like, you're dying, you have to repent, and there's certain parts of you that need to be drowned, which is mm-hmm. sad, but the hope is it'll come back new. And that's the, that's the whole, that's obviously God's plan. He makes it very clear. He's cleaning out the uncleanness. Mm-hmm. But it does, uh, and we could talk, we've talked a lot about this, so we just know now the Lord's doing it. And the Lord's big deal with everything is that they may know that I'm the Lord. Mm-hmm. Like, know that I'll take care of you. We get to a very sad section. Yeah, we get to probably the most devastating object lesson that Ezekiel has to carry out, which is the death of his wife. So, uh, the Lord, a word of the Lord comes to Ezekiel saying, Ezekiel, uh, I'm taking your wife. Yeah. It's such a bummer because you don't, the story doesn't tell you like, was she sick? Like as if it matters. Like, did she have a sickness? Did she have that? But he obviously loves her. Mm -hmm. And then the request is don't mourn her. Right. Like don't, you don't, and that is a cultural thing. It was way more outward. Mm-hmm. So when someone died in your house or in your family, you were expected to cover your face, to um, wear sackcloth, go to, barefoot, yeah. like all these things, mourning and bringing closure, but mourning, and that was like proper. But God tells him this because he says, uh, you need to tell the people over the next two years, the daughter of of God is going to slowly die. Yeah, and and his whole point in this was... I don't want you. You do not mourn for this city. Yeah. You are not going to mourn for Jerusalem. It does not deserve your mourning, because it is an evil, wicked city, and I saved you from that city and yeah. the destruction that this city is coming. You are the exiles that I pulled out of that city. Do not mourn for that city. Right. And so that's the whole idea: is don't mourn for it, because and also don't shed fake tears. Right. It's because of that city under its. It chose the curses of mm-hmm. God instead of the blessings of God. So don't hang on to like things you wish had happened. Um, it's very difficult. So that's a difficult one for Ezekiel. But again, he is the servant of God carrying out, so he does it. 
He doesn't, yeah. Um, then it turns, just like Isaiah kind of turned, to the woes, to all the surrounding areas in mm-hmm. the promised land first, yeah. right? So the idea here is as we go through, and I think it's, it, we can kind of go through yeah. this pretty fast, but the overarching idea is that you, the closer you were to this city and mm-hmm. to God's people, the more opportunities you had to recognize it's God. And mm-hmm. in fact, you did, you, you had no problem taking the blessings of, of this, God yes. uh, over, the, over his people. You had no problem with that while it was going. Yet, when it turned against them, mm-hmm. you turned against my people. Right. So this really is the end of these people groups. Yeah, so through chapter 25 and 27, we get a prophecy against uh, Ammon, Moab, Seir, Edom, Philistine, and uh, Tyre. Tyre. Like Phoenicians. So what's funny is, uh, not funny, haha, but interesting. So like as you go through these, Amnon, their biggest issue, and God is always saying, especially to the ones that had no real um, bloodline connection, to Israel. I mean, they all kind of do. Well, Ammon, it starts with Ammon, Moab, and Edom, and they do. And now, what's Ammon? What's Ammon, Ammon and Moab are I remember lot. Moab. Moab. Oh, Ammon is the other one? Mm-hmm. Oh. Ammon and Moab are, are Lot, from Lot, and then Edom is from Esau. Esau. Okay, so to these guys, these countries, he's saying, look, I want you to know that I'm the Lord. You should have. Mm-hmm. And when you were, uh, after Babylon came in and after Assyrians came in and you went and ransacked the place and mm-hmm. didn't help defend the people of God and mock the people of God, uh, you're done. Sorry. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so God's, you know, you practically speaking, these people would at some point go, hey, uh, maybe we shouldn't have ransacked that temple. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so there's arrogance, looting, you're done, as a people forever, and you yeah. will know why. Same with Moab. Moab, remember, yeah, you already said, connected to Lot, and um, and he has this line, like, you believe Judah was like all other nations. Right. Like, you never took seriously the being set apart, mm-hmm. and you treated him like any other nation. You should have known better. You're going to be wiped out, and you they are wiped out. And then Edom, of course, Esau, it's funny, they're... They took vengeance. Like, they mm-hmm. still carried, like, the ancient... The enmity between enmity. Yeah, there's the brothers. Yeah, yeah. so, like, the, the never-ending enmity for that birthright thing. Mm-hmm. Instead of being included in Esau's descendants, uh, Edom continually mm-hmm. exploited Judah's troubles. And then... Uh, then we move out to the other the Philistines. Yeah. yeah, so Philistines and Phoenicians, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, there was just never-ending enmity between the Philistines and people of God. And so... Um, they're out. Yeah. And then we get this very long, it's actually, what, three chapters? We're only going to cover two of them. Yeah. But there's three, at least three chapters against Tyree. And Tyree, I'm, I'm like, I was trying to figure out, like, why is he talking so much about Tyree? Yeah, I had to ask that too. But there's a couple things. Yep. One is Tyree was in a, like a huge major seaport. It, its main city was on an island a, a mile and a half off of the coast, and it was like the central hub for all uh, trading across the uh, the sea. Yeah. <clears throat> and and so, so, like, a bunch of nations relied on them for trade and wealth and success. Like, yeah. a, they had a lot of people rooting for them, and the idea of this, um, of anyone wanting to harm this 
place was kind of ridiculous. Like, it's self-sabotaging. Yeah. Like, you're going to hurt the whole area if you hurt this Mm -hmm. city. So they had not only magnificent structures, tons of resources, a port city, trade city. They were like the New York Mm -hmm. of this area. And if you hurt that place, you're hurting the whole whole economic system, everything. Mm -hmm. And so... So the idea that they would even be touched by anyone was ridiculous. And then you had another connection as to why they were kind of important. Yeah, so the other connection I realized was, and I really learned this, and so you have the judgment against them, but then mm-hmm. you have a whole chapter on a lamentation, yes. a, a song. So the connection I made was, oh, that's right. Tyree helped supply all the lumber and the cedar. Like yep. David had relationships with them. Solomon had relationships. Mm-hmm. Like these people helped fund and create the temple. Yes. The place where... So, even like they by, built Jerusalem by helping, mm-hmm. that was a blessed engagement, mm-hmm. and so they were blessed for that for years and years and years. And now they're at a point where they're rejoicing over the destruction yeah. of this place that they helped build. Yeah, it ran out like their blessing, um, and so you see the woe, the woe to Tyree, like they're going to become a bare rock. Yeah, this is fascinating. So, so good old Nebuchadnezzar. after he takes care of Jerusalem and all the other surrounding nations, he sieges Tyre for 13 years. Yeah, because that place is awesome. Yeah, and it's, again, they have have coastal cities that that Nebuchadnezzar completely wiped out, but then there is that island capital that it's super hard to take, an island capital. And uh, so they actually don't, Nebuchadnezzar doesn't successfully take Tyre. But... Alexander the Great, and I actually remember learning about this. Nice. Alexander the Great builds a land bridge a mile and a half across from the coast to the island, builds a bridge, like mounds dirt, and makes it into a peninsula so that his army can march out there, and he levels the the city. That's a a good bit of uh, information there, Matt. I'm glad you're around. Yeah. Well, uh, the, the last thing from from this is it matters you realize it matters what people think about the people of God Mm -hmm. so like um, even the language woe to Amnon woe to Edom woe Jesus has a whole section of this in the Gospels Mm -hmm. where he says woe to the Pharisees and the scribes and Sadducees and the connection I made was woe to anybody who is for the destruction of the temple Right, so these places were for it. They were mm-hmm. like going, yeah, let let uh, Judah and the temple be overwhelmed. So Jesus is actually saying to the the guys who think they're protecting the temple, mm-hmm. he's like, you're actually like Ammon, um, you're like Tyre, you're like these places that were wiped out because you're gonna destroy me. Jesus yes. is the temple yes. of God. He is the place where God and an earth touch, mm-hmm. and the Pharisees stood by, mocking, rejoicing, helping, yeah. aiding and abetting the destruction of God's people in Jesus. So, like, his woe is actually harsher than I ever imagined mm-hmm. to those guys for different reasons than I ever imagined. Right. They're aligned with the surrounding people who rejoiced over the destruction and siege of Jerusalem. Ooh. That's gross. And I think that's why they were, that also explains why they wanted to kill Jesus so bad. Yeah. You can't call us. Right. Moabites, you can't call out. We're not the people. We're the people trying to protect this place from mm-hmm. people like you. Woe to you. Woe to you. But the good news is, all of this is God's stretching out his arms to the whole world. 
And so there's opportunities. Again, what was our phrase? There's no reason. Oh, God's wrath is avoidable? Yeah. God's wrath is completely avoidable, Mm -hmm. and especially now in Jesus Christ. Cool. New Testament. Our New Testament reading for today is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17, through chapter 12, verse 13. Continuing the Hall of Faith. Hall of Faith. This chapter, uh, we could spend probably six months breaking this one down. Just... You could actually do a whole year on the scriptures following the saints that are listed here. Yeah, you could. But the um, today, the idea from from the Hall of Faith, at least that I want to, maybe it directs our conversation. Yeah, go for is, it. Is uh, the sinner saint distinction? Ooh. So that if you look to the Hall of Faith uh, as if you're looking to people who lived really great lives, and you want to model your life after them, and and you think the if you made it in the Hall of Faith in the Bible, that means you're a really stand-up, great, consistent, almost perfect person. Moral person. Moral, yeah. even generally moral. You're wrong. You're wrong. And that's what makes Christianity confusing for people is mm-hmm. because the people of faith are not perfect. Right. But that's not what saves. The perfection is not on, it's not required of them what's required of them is to believe the word of god despite what they see yes yes so like even when it comes to church i believe this is where god is Mm -hmm. despite seeing hypocrisy theft Mm -hmm. greed lust work itself out among its alleged saints yeah but that's why we believe in sinner saint Mm -hmm. we are sinners and saints at the same time waiting to be made fully saint uh, right one day and that's our faith right um, but I also like the as you read the Hall of Faith, you start to ask yourself what define what's the, like defining mark of your life, mm. and that's what you find in this list of people. The defining mark in their life was they had a moment or two or that took a long time where they just believed God, right? Despite what they saw, and that's right. the list, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it's a pretty amazing list, um, and it is interesting. A good amount of them has to deal with things that happened at the end of their lives right? and they just believed God like they just trusted you know what God has to do what he says he's going to do Well, and, and, all their... and that's what's awesome I, uh, thinking about that where yeah. um, it's not they did something to please God mm-hmm. it's they just trusted that God said Abraham you're going to have a child and Abraham just had to surrender to that reality yeah and part of the surrender is you're a small piece of the puzzle mm-hmm. right so Abraham's whole thing was he had to trust God that mm-hmm. he was going to have a child. It took him 25 years of failing, yeah. making other babies on his own strength. Like mm-hmm. he literally straight up failed. Like you could say yeah. he committed adult. Like he did bad things. And it, he, but it's counted to him as righteousness right. that he trusted that God would do this. And it took a while for him to break down and go, all right, God, you're going to have to do this. Right. We feel like failures when we're like, I didn't do mm-hmm. it for you, Lord. Also, I feel like we read the Hall of Faith thinking we have to have all these things. Right. But notice, Abraham waited for the baby. Yeah. Isaac, all he did was invoke future blessings. Yes. That was future blessings. Like, I trust that God's going to bless you. That's it. And then Same with Jacob. Jacob passed it on to 12. Yeah. I trust that God's going to bless and make you all into great, great peoples. And then it goes to Moses. Like, Moses' parents said, you know what? Let's disobey the, the Pharaoh and keep our baby. Yeah. There it is. Boom. And that's the greatest work of their life because yeah. they're people of faith. Now, it required a lot of them 
But then Moses, you, Moses had faith by giving up a seat of royalty. Yeah. And then he has, you know, he of course has other faith. Yeah, and then like some some of them are confusing, like really confusing. Like you get Rahab, you get Gideon, you have Samson, you have uh, Jephthah. Who was Barak? Bar- oh, uh, he was Barak like, is uh, Deborah. Deborah's husband, who was like, yeah. "I need you, Deborah, to make the hard decisions." Mm-hmm. But he had faith that God was, was moving, yeah. and, and, and he, he trusted. followed it. Yeah, yeah. But I guess the thing that hit me is, it's one thing. Yeah. But it's all creating. Like this is the people of faith. You have faith with what you've been given today. Mm-hmm. So if it's your work, if it's raising a kid, if it's trying to figure out something, like it's okay. Yeah. You don't have to have it all. And the reason you don't have to have it all is because Christ fulfills all the people of faith by being all of the people of faith mm-hmm. for and on behalf of us. You know, you start to see like, oh, Christ had, he believed and just did what was in front of him. Right. But he did it perfectly. He's the only one who's saint, saint. You know what I mean? Right. And so everybody else has these flaws because you read Samson. And when you read Samson's life, you're not like, hey, kids, grow up and be like Samson. No. That no, but... Was, but his final thing was he asked God. He recognized my strength comes from God, and God, you have to do this. Oh, and did you read too? I always love that Rahab, and the author puts Rahab the prostitute. Yeah. So her act of faith was, oh, I want to be on your side, so yeah. I'm going to lie to protect the people of God, which kind of goes to what they didn't do, that people around mm-hmm. Israel didn't do. And that's right. why they're woe to them. Like even a prostitute's going, this is the side I want to be on. I'm You're with right. you guys. I'm with you. And that takes faith because mm-hmm. you don't know how it's going to end. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and then uh, it goes through this list of these people never saw yeah. the full realization of their faith, which is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And yet they died with that faith. They were tortured. Some of them were tortured, killed, pro- like got destitute, right. were in constant poverty exiled, went through awful, awful stuff, and yet they went through that stuff with the faith that God was going to accomplish what he said he was going to accomplish, which is bring a Messiah, bring someone to the to this world that would redeem and save us and restore our relationship to God. Did you catch, too, again, this is the people being starting to be persecuted, and it's like talking about running with endurance, but he says uh, they were commended through their faith, so like, good job, you did mm-hmm. that one thing. But that was all uh, for what was promised. Mm-hmm. Like their faith was something better is promised, right? And since God has provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. It's a confusing line, but do you get it? So like they, um, they were enduring, enduring. for mm-hmm. something promised that's better, right. waiting like for Christ. Right. But part of their endurance was for who came after them. Right, yeah. So like their faith too is that this is going to pass on to my children mm-hmm. and my children's children and they're going to be under the protection and umbrella of God's blessing. And so I'm doing it. So you're doing it for your children. You're doing it for your people you love. You're doing it for God. You're doing it because those are all good. But it kind of makes sense then as you go into, uh, well, I like the line too. He makes strong out of weakness. You know, we get something better. We get this perfection. He's just taking the weak people and making us saints. Mm-hmm. And we see it by faith. But chapter 12, what did you think about this? I saw a word jumped out to me. We've been reading this. And it jumped out to me in a new and different way. The word cloud. 
Oh, yeah. A cloud of witnesses. Mm -hmm. So think about this. Whenever God shows up, he always provides a cloud, right, mm -hmm. to protect kind of us from his glory, his mm -hmm. blinding glory. But that's also how you know God is there. Right. And then you're under his protection, and you're under his... And so he purposely calls it, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Mm -hmm. So when you think of the saints, the people who exhibited faith, the people of faith before you, this serves as a cloud representing God's presence and glory among you. So when we think about those people, we are connected to them, mm -hmm. we are in their line, and they are God's glory. And so we are encouraged by all that. So therefore, he's like saying, since you're surrounded by all this, like, keep going, run the yeah. race with endurance. Like, you're not alone. Right. This is not for nothing. You're, um, you've received of those that have come before, yeah, so let yeah, that yeah, push yeah. you forward. Yeah, I like that. That's good. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm basically saying what it says, mm -hmm. but it's kind of a different idea. And then he keeps going. So you keep looking forward. Oh, that's what I liked. Is looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Mm -hmm. So you look back to those who've gone before you while you're looking forward to Jesus yes. who has gone before you and is at the end. Mm -hmm. He's already resurrected from the dead. And then the great line about how he endured with joy the shame of the cross. Yeah, so the ultimate of faith is realizing Jesus goes to the cross for joy, suffering. It was not easy. It wasn't like, yeah, yeah. this is fun. But he did it because his faith was man, this is going to bring us all life. Right. So, don't grow weary. Yeah. Yeah, because right now, uh, the idea of, like, right now at the writing of this book is they're just starting to enter into some persecution. Right. Like, real, like, things haven't gotten, like, too intense yet. Like, there's been, like, minor There's still a small scrabbles, sect, but it's gained all this popularity. But it's gaining popularity, and Rome is starting to notice. And so things are are starting to get tense, and but they haven't gotten there yet, because he's like, um, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. So, like, people haven't started dying yet explicitly for Christ, but it's about to happen. He's like letting them... That's not a sarcastic thing. Like, you know what? You haven't died and shed blood like Jesus, so relax. Um, it could be, but I also kind of see it as like, things are starting to get intense, yeah, but people, like... people behind us have gone through all of these things yeah. already. Nothing new. And so we should not be surprised if that starts to happen to us. Well, and that's, that's, this is what we are. We're the people of mm -hmm. faith. Right. So the things we don't see... And then the true faith is always active in love and steadfast right. under persecution. And the Holy Spirit strengthens us. So he says, don't grow weary or faint-hearted. Um, keep your eyes on Jesus. And he has this whole thing about discipline. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking of it as um, yesterday we were running with the soccer team and running really hard to the point where you're like, okay, I want to stop. This mm -hmm. hurts. But I also knew we only had three more to do. Right. And so that discipline, when you know this is going to end one day, and I kind of know, okay, I don't know exactly the time, but I can keep going knowing mm -hmm. that it's producing, and I want to be good in the game. I want to be good at this. Right. I wanna do, and that's the idea is like keep running. Your faith is sure. Right. Don't give up. Don't grow weary. Um, and look to healing. Yeah. Like you're broken right now. Yeah. God's healing it. Yeah, I love in chapter 12 and 13, 
Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Yeah. So like this idea of um, drooping hands and weak knees that you're like at the point where you're, like praying is hard. Yeah. Like even praying, like your hands are drooping, your knees are weak. You can't even like bow and pray, but it's like strengthen that. Keep going. Push into that because there is healing in that. Yeah. You know, we were talking, when you go through hard things, it's easy to start fantasizing the worst that can happen, trying to save yourself, or be, kind of slip into hopelessness. But one of the things we get as the people of faith is you only know what you know right now. Yes. And so the call of faith is to engage what you know today. Is God with you? Yes. Are there people who were connected to in the past who suffered? Yes. Is there glory promised? Yes. Do you know the future? No. So your faith is, your faith motivates you to say, God, provide the job. God, provide this. Give Mm -hmm. me peace. Give me that. I'm going to look to you. That's all I know to do today. And at the end of it, God will say, hey, you're a person of great faith. And you'll read your name in the Hall of Faith and you'll be embarrassed. You're like, what? But I struggled with all these sins and Mm -hmm. stuff. And it's like, right, my faith was a gift to you. And you held on to it. Right. And that was making you perfect. Our psalm for today is Psalm 124. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. fed by ravens go in peace and serve the lord we'll talk to you next time